When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Chad. Yet another poor performance on home ice for your Edmonton Oilers. They lose 4-2 to the Philadelphia Flyers. A late push by the Oilers, but not nearly enough. Wayne Simmons icing it with an empty netter. Wheel, Weiss, and Raffle also scored for Philadelphia. Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins had the markers for the Oilers, who fall to 11-15-2 on the season. They miss out on a chance to make up some ground in the Western Conference tonight. Calgary lost in a shootout to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They only got a point. Chicago got bombed in Washington. It does look like Anaheim. Uh, has a good chance here of beating Ottawa, but other Western teams uh, not playing. So the Oilers remain at 24 points ahead of only Arizona in the West and six points out of a playoff spot. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. The Oilers are also 5-9 and nine on home ice, 1-7 and seven at home against the East. You look at the Oilers' road record, it's 6-6-2. Six, six okay, you know, not not horrible, not not exceptional, but at least you're getting half your points on the road. They have been, I mean, I don't know what other word to use. They've been downright terrible at home. And, Rob, you look at this game, for the first 50 minutes, and I just want to clarify for people listening, I'm saying 5-0, not 1-5. In my book, they had Two grade-A scoring chances. They scored on one. Darnell Nurse hit the crossbar on the other. That is inexplicable and, quite frankly, inexcusable. Well, yes. You're not playing the 1970 Montreal Canadiens or a team of that ilk. This was a flyer team that had lost 10 straight. They went into Calgary. They won in Calgary but were badly outplayed. Outshot 45-21 to in that game. So they're limping into here. This is a game that the Oilers... Need to win. It's a it's a bad hockey club coming into your arena. You've got a little bit of traction going. You've got a huge, huge gap to to, to fill between where you are in the standings and where you need to be. So these are games that you have to win. And there was no urgency, no desperation, no emotion. Things that are are, are desperately needed uh, to play at this level and win at this level. And the Flyers seem like the team that wanted it more. And I, I, I don't know why. And, I, and the, the, there just was a lack of, uh, of emotion in, in this game, in a game that, I mean, you're looking, if you're circling games on your calendar, all right, well, we should win this, so this is going to be a struggle. These guys are good. This is a game you have circled. This is a two-point game. It's the Philadelphia Flyers, and you come out and, Frankly, we're, we're lucky that you had a chance near the end of the hockey game to, to, to get, get a point out of it because it was not an effort that I don't think many on this team can be happy with. Let me ask you this, just 
to come at it from a slightly different point of view. And, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'll play devil's advocate a okay. little bit when you talk about urgency and desperation and effort and all that kind of stuff. What if they have that, but the roster simply isn't good enough, that they simply can't bring it on a consistent basis talent-wise? Well, we've seen here in Edmonton for for years, and going back pre-salary cap era, you saw a lot of teams that didn't have the talent to be able to compete and be a top echelon team, but they had the urgency. They had the energy, they had the emotion, they had the intensity. And when they lost games, it wasn't them losing because they got at work. They lost games because they were out-talented. Now, tonight, I I don't know, I said before the season started that I didn't believe this team was as talented as the team they had last year. I didn't think they would have as many points, I thought, for, for a number of different reasons. I felt they would be a playoff hockey club. So they are a team that should be in the playoffs. But what we saw tonight, the the... the when things aren't going right, and we saw players in the past, Sam Gandhi, for example, when things weren't going right for him and he was moved to the fourth line, he would come out, he would fight someone. He would be physical. He brought other attributes to the game. And tonight, there, there wasn't that physical pushback. There wasn't the, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to go out and, and I'm going to create something through, uh, just through effort. And I, so, yes, this Oiler team is, is not as talented as they is maybe the expectations were, but I don't think most of the league is. I think the league is pretty close. There's a two or three teams that are having fantastic seasons, Tampa Bay for one, mm-hmm. but th- this league, the parity is pretty close. And at the end of the day, it's, it usually is execution, a good bounce, and battle that wins hockey games. And the Oilers' battle level, I don't think was as good as, as, as it could be. And, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what Todd McClellan says after the game, but watch, I mean... Little things that the Oilers know don't work, like turnovers at the blue line, um, not getting pucks out in their own blue, their own zone. There's one they had a set play where they're trying to shoot the puck off the boards for Lucic in a stretch play. Well, Philadelphia read it, mm-hmm. and the defenseman comes down and picks it off. And then if there's a great overhead view of, of Lucic just standing there, there was no desperation to get back and, and get to that guy when the play doesn't work. These are the things that we saw last year in the playoffs. Now, I understand playoff hockey is completely different than regular season. You cannot play at that level for 82 games. It's absolutely impossible. But the Oilers need some of that now because of where they are in the standings. They can't just skill, outskill teams to win hockey games right now. They have to outbattle and outwork, and right now it's just not happening. Yeah, well, and it's maddening because you see, okay, they got dominated by Toronto in the first period. They fight back. All right, you lose the game on the weird Russell goal. At least, you you know, and then we were seeing going into Calgary, all right, kid, they keep playing. They controlled the game against Calgary. Brassois didn't have a great mm-hmm. third period, but, I mean, Calgary didn't have the puck much in the first two periods. And you think, okay, are we going to see that tonight? And and like I mentioned off the top, you didn't see it until it was 3-1 and there was 10 minutes left. And, and obviously Philadelphia is playing a different style of game at that point. So the Flyers take it 4-2. That does mean a $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice and Oasis of Freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every Oilers goal throughout the season. You can reach us at 780 0063. We're going to get to Todd McClellan first, though, in about uh, 30 seconds to a minute as soon as we have him ready to go. As, uh, yeah, I mentioned the Oilers record. It's 11-15-2 on the year. The special teams battle tonight 
the Flyers go one for four on the power play. The Oilers did get a shorthanded goal, but they go 0 for two on their own power plays, including one in the last four minutes, which, again, could have tied the game. And as you often say, Rob, sometimes it's not how many you score, but when you score it. So still, special teams have been a massive weakness for the Oilers all season long, and they were... Maybe massive weakness isn't fair tonight, but they, in my mind, even though you got the shorthanded goal, you still lost the special teams battle because your power play couldn't cash in. Well, what we saw last year, when when the Oilers, things weren't clicking for them last year, they would always stay in the battle, and and that's what what, what Tom McClellan always talked about. They they stay in the battle, stay in the battle throughout the game. Eventually, you're going to get your chance. And what we saw a lot of times last year, if the Oilers were tied or even. Or sorry, if they were tied or down a goal going into the third period, you always felt, you know what, they just need that one power play because mm-hmm. they always seem to get a power play in the last seven, eight minutes. And when they needed one, they always got that goal. And tonight they, they get it. And I'm, I said to you, I said, the others are going to score right here in the power play, and then they're going to win it in OT. And on that power play, they moved the puck around. But I'm, I'm, I'm not positive, but when I looked before the power play, I think they only had one shot on that power play. And this is a power play when you're down a goal late in a game. You've got to get pucks on net, and you can move the puck to the, on, on the perimeter all you want, but the Philadelphia Flyers are loving that. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, you know what? If Dreisaitl has it on the boards here or if McDavid has it on the boards there, that's good. As soon as they start throwing pucks on net, that's where bad things can happen as a, as a penalty killer. So uh, I, to me, again, that is, uh, there's no desperation. Right there, they should get the puck and to cleft bomb, bang it on net. And if the rebound comes out, attack it and get it across and then bang it on net again. And it might be an ugly goal. It might go off a flyer stick. And it might go off a skate in. But you got to get pucks to the net. And the Oilers didn't do enough on that power play. So, yeah, a power play, a great opportunity on a stupid penalty by the Flyers, a dumb penalty in the offensive zone. You could have taken full advantage of that, and the Oilers didn't. 4-2, the Flyers take it for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. I I would have to agree with him, obviously, with the performance. We're three minutes in, we go to the penalty box, so it doesn't give you a chance to even get all your lines out. We're 27 minutes into the game, and we've spent eight of them in the penalty box, so you get no offensive momentum. You don't get any type of jump. You're on your heels, and you throw on top of that. I didn't think we had any type of passing execution, a lot of pucks bouncing in our feet, uh, so we weren't clean at all. Desperation level went up a little bit in the third, but obviously that's not enough. He had the late power play. I mean, that's been the problem for your team. Um, last Patty? He had the late power play. Well, our power last eight games, you haven't... Our power play was on the ice for four minutes tonight and it got one puck to the goalie's pad. So that's disappointing. Their power play got nine shots in, in twice that amount of time. They looked dangerous. We didn't. Todd, it seems that... Uh it's a recurring theme just in terms of not being able to put back-to-back solid performances together. We've asked you about this a hundred times, but it keeps coming up and the players are talking about it. You didn't have this problem last year. Where do you think this is coming from? And you, it must be extremely frustrating. Well, it, it is extremely frustrating. Um, you know, I'd prefer not to be asking those questions or being asked those questions. And I would really like to give you an answer that, uh, that made sense, but we've been struggling to find those answers. Um, the last two days in practice, I thought we were crisp. We skated well. The, com- the competitiveness was there, the attention to detail. Uh, we got more done in practice than we did in the game, and the game's supposed to be the reward. So um, I don't have the answers for that. All right, so that's Todd McClellan tonight after the Oilers lose 4-2 to the Flyers. He was asked about 
the power play, and, and he said it, you know, we got one puck to the goalie's pads, and the Flyers got, I think he said, eight or nine, and that's and that's a good point, Rob. And I love what you've often said in our time working together. The power play doesn't really start until you get a shot on goal. And, well, yeah, and, because and so, the defenders are in their position. As soon as you get a shot on net, nobody knows where the rebound goes, and that's where chaos starts. So all, I played for, for Ken Hitchcock, and he used to have a thing. Uh, if the power play wasn't going well, he said, you're allowed one pass, then shoot. I don't care who's shooting it. But you're allowed one pass, then shoot, and then you start attacking. And the Oilers didn't do enough of that tonight. They stayed on the perimeter, and it just, you're down a goal, you need desperation in your game, and you look at the standings, you need desperation in your game. You're playing the Flyers on home ice, you need desperation in your game, and they didn't have it. Yeah, and, and the Oilers missed out on a chance tonight to win five of seven, which is mm-hmm. a pretty good run. Instead, you've won four out of seven, which is okay. It's okay if you've but banked points in the standings. If you've banked points all, all, already, and I mean, if sure, if you win four out of seven, you'll slowly make up ground, but given how many points are given out in the NHL, I, I just quickly did some math, and I know it's a small chunk of the season. Winning four out of seven is getting 57% of your points. With the overtime points in the NHL, the average winning percentage in the league most years is usually around 550. So if you play 570 hockey when you've been playing sub-500, for, for the first part of the season, you're, you're not going to catch up very quickly. Well, another or at thing, all. Yeah, and another thing that's happened, you know, the Oilers had not a bad little run there. They, they go four of six. They really didn't move up in the standings. No, they moved Be- closer to a couple teams. A co- but, to a couple teams, but, but not to the playoff spot. No, they've, been, they've, been, they've basically been five to eight points out of the playoffs for and, the last month. And that's the problem when you're behind as many teams as the Oilers are. You may win four of six, but... All these teams are playing each other. They're winning also. The two teams might lose, but the other two are winning. The Oilers have to put together a much better run than a four and six or a five and seven. They've got to do something special, and they're making it just harder and harder on themselves because these are the games that are much easier than the road trips to the Torontos and to the Montreals. Yeah, next game coming up in Montreal on Saturday. Oilers lose 4-2 to Philly. 780-496-0063 is our open line number. We have Aaron standing by. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Well, we're doing okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of doing okay, too. I don't know. <clears throat> Extremely frustrating team to watch right now. I mean, I know that they're, like, two of their three or four best defensemen are injured. Definitely would put even an injured Sekera over Clefbaum the way he's played this season, just off Sekera's history alone. And Nurse has taken charge as one of the best defensemen. But, I don't know, this team had zero chances tonight. I mean, like, I, I think the, the beginning of the season, Kajula was getting some chances, and he just wasn't, you know, putting them in. But he's really, I don't know, he he can provide some energy, but he's not doing much. Strom isn't doing much at all. He had a nice little run a couple games ago, but he's not doing, like, anything. Uh, Camilleri was invisible tonight. He was on the ice for that one goal. He didn't do anything else, though. And, you know, I thought it's just kind of like the same with Kajula. Maroon was getting a lot of chances when he was with McDavid, but... He and Nuge can't play together. They just don't click. And Maroon was so lazy tonight. I mean, you look at the second goal, it's not Russell that fell, really. I mean, he jumped in on the play, and yeah, he didn't make a great pass, but that should have been an easy board battle that Maroon won on board check on the side to begin with. And it's just so disappointing to see that kind of effort. And I know I just I did the math, like, and I, there's zero chance they can even bring back Maroon. So I don't know why they wouldn't ship him for maybe a defenseman of his status that is a UFA or something like that. Like, And I know he's a big guy in the room, too, and all that. But And I just, this Flyers team, they have to take advantage of. I mean, they were, whatever, like, they lost, like, their last 9 of 10. 
and this was the easiest game out of the next four. You have the worst team out of the four, and you're at home. That should have easily been a win. And now they're playing Montreal, who's hot right now, Toronto, who's a really good team this year, and Columbus, who's 8-2 and two in their last 10. Yep. So it's, they really they screwed themselves on that one. And yep. it's, yeah, I, I don't know. They're not that far out of the playoffs because the West is weak this year, but like I, they've given me zero reason to believe they can catch those six points up. Yeah, well, it's, it's like we said, Aaron, you know, they've kind of been five to eight points out of the playoffs for the last four or five weeks, so yeah, yeah at some point, at some point, you got to make a, a little bit of a charge. Thanks thanks for calling in, and, and I mean, he listed off uh, a, a few players that the, the, the production isn't there, and, and you, just when you think, oh, the depth guys are coming along, they're starting to chip in a little more then a night like tonight, and two of your top players score, and you don't get anything else. Yeah, but the, the, the top players weren't great tonight either. Fair, fair enough. So fair I enough. mean, it, it, this one I, I'm not going to pin on on your depth players, but, there's, there but it, has, depth, it has been yeah, a recurring no, right. theme. You're right, and some of the depth players not, didn't produce, but some of the depth players were invisible tonight in, in a game that I mean, this was more or less a no hitter. The Philadelphia Flyers are not a physical team. This isn't the Flyers that they they used to be. Uh, they're not they're not physical. They they don't have a ferocious forecheck. It, it's not an aggressive team. So this one is an an easier game to play because you I mean you can play without fear. And the Oilers just it, it's hard to explain because through 50 minutes they generated nothing. And they there wasn't sometimes when you're struggling okay we're not getting you know, the pucks always bouncing we're on three on twos or or we're, when i'm beating guys one on one it's just hitting the back of their skates so no we're going to do next shift we're going to go out, let's just dump it the next shift we're just every time we get the puck dump it unless we have a complete odd man rush let's dump it in there and get something going and i've been on many teams that have done that with some very very skilled players who have said that on the bench you know what nothing is going right for us let's create some momentum by getting pucks in deep Go out and get a hit, something along that. Because when a when a skilled player throws a hit, it energizes right. a building. It, it just the whole building. When New, if Nuge goes out and runs some guy, this whole building just erupts. And when you're an opponent playing on the road, and a building starts getting going, it's I don't want to say intimidating, but there's momentum coming against you. And then if the next line goes out and somebody comes out and throws a hit in the offensive zone, well, now it just starts to, to generate more and more momentum for, for the Oilers. But they didn't do that. They kept trying to do the same thing. I'm going to beat this guy. Oh, gosh darn it, I didn't do it. Oh, there they go back against us again. And the Oilers didn't have that. One line creates a, a, a momentum shift. Then it's carried over into the next line. Then it's carried over to the next line. They didn't have that. So every time you're coming out at the start of your shift, you are the first line to start something. So the Oilers don't have momentum going forward throughout this hockey game, and it showed because through 50 minutes, uh, there was you know, more or less we're looking in the opposite end because yep. nothing was coming in for the Oilers offensively. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Flyers on the advantage trailer rental scoreboard. The Ducks have shut out the Senators 3-0. Adam Henrique gets two goals for the Ducks. He's up to six on the season. The Maple Leafs outlast the Flames 2-1 in a shootout. Washington taking it to Chicago tonight 6-2. 780-496-0063 will bring Keaton onto the show. Hello, Keaton. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing quite well. Good. Thanks for calling. Um, I love what Aaron said about the Oilers tonight. I mean, you know, it's they're starting to become very predictable, and I think that's that's a huge issue when it comes to uh, playing against tough teams like the the Flyers, for example. They haven't shown that they've been a tough team for the past however many games, but 
I mean, you're you're coming out flat, you know, and you're not generating anything, and you're not winning key battles, and you're slacking on the back check, and it's just a huge recipe for disaster. And now, I don't know if you remember me. Uh, I called in a couple weeks back when the Blues beat uh, the Oilers four to one, and I said that uh, this team is really confusing and. A lot of Oilers fans right now have a really good reason to be confused because when they're on their game and they're doing everything right, then they're a vicious team. Like, they're a team that others have to play ten times harder to beat. And, you know, just they're on and off. Like, all they've been on and off all season. And, you know, in order for them to start stacking up wins, they need to start playing 110 and they need to start winning key battles in the corner. They need to get more shots on net. We never, we only saw one shot on net on the power play, like you guys said. We're not going to generate any scoring by doing that. And especially when we have a power play uh, late in the game, you know, we need to start capitalizing on those scoring chances, and we need to start shooting the puck. Yeah, I th- well, Keaton, I, <laughs> I think that's a perfect summary, and we've used that word quite a bit, Rob, confusing. The, the, the Oilers are a confusing team, inconsistent, whatever you want to call it. And as, as we referenced, just when you think, oh, okay, they, they've, they've taken a step, they've, they've, raised their, they've raised their level of commitment or what, what we should expect of them, they seem to drop back like tonight. More time for your phone calls. You're going to hear from Laurent Brossois, and we'll discuss his game. The Flyers win 4-2 in Edmonton. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final score at Rogers Place, Philadelphia 4, Edmonton 2, Laurent Brassois takes the loss in net. He made 29 saves. His comments for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Those things, and having said that, um, you know, I just I want to give a little bit more. You know, um, you know, maybe that second one um, is eliminated. Eliminates a little bit more pressure off our forwards. Um, you know, those. You know, in hindsight, are, are the things that uh, I would like to eliminate from my game. But um, you know, there's a lot of good things I thought uh, I did out there, and I, and I felt. But um, you know, the win is obviously priority number one. Did you string together now three straight starts? More than like you know four. Do you feel like you're feeling more comfortable and your game is getting better with each start? Yeah. Um, you know, if I if I assess my game honestly, um, and you know, period by period, I, I think the majority of my periods have been strong, and, and that's the kind of mentality that I have to go into each game and and you know split um, each each period even into test segments and. Um, I'm just going to have to keep doing that and keep plugging away, and I, and I think we can we can still turn this around for sure. Great, that's Lauren Pessoa. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room. So, Rob, before we go back to the phones here, let's talk about Pessoa's performance and the fact that we've waited so long to talk about it is probably probably a, a, a good sign. And I mean, a little bit like the Buffalo game. Yes, there was a goal in that game. You can question. Yes, there's a goal tonight. Sure, you can question if you want, but he wasn't getting much help. But, but how do you look at Brassois' game? Uh, much better. 
Uh, I thought that he, he seemed focused. He talked about last game that he lost focus, which you can't do in the National Hockey League, especially if you're a goaltender. It's not going to turn out well for you. Uh, he, he played the puck well. He, he covered things up. He, he didn't give up a whole lot of rebounds. Uh, the second goal, you know, you, you look at you say five hole. He's got to have that. I look at it as a Dale Weiss makes a nice play. He uses grab as a screen, throws the puck between his legs. And I've been saying for for the 12 years I've played that I've been on the air here, go five hole as much as you can. It is a hard place to cover. Goalies are taught nowadays to cover the corners. They're all going down the five holes, a spot that has got a little bit of an opening. You have to hit it perfectly. Weiss did. Um, this one was again. It's a, it's a three-two league. And we've heard that so many times. And if you're the team scoring two, well, you're probably going to be on the wrong end of the score most nights. And that's what happened tonight. So Bressois was fine. This was not on him. This was on the, the players playing in front of him. They just weren't good enough tonight. All right. We'll bring Fred onto the open line. Hi, Fred. Hey, boys. Good day. Hey, how's it going today? Very good. Uh, yeah, I talked to the hockey god. I said, you know what? He made us suffer for 10 years. Why again? You know what? I think this team's just not good enough. Uh, Rob, they are the free space on a bingo card right now. Teams are licking their chops. Hey, we're playing the Oilers. They're in 28th, 29th place. They're not a very good hockey team. I hate to tell you all this, but uh, that's the way I'm seeing it right now. Well, it's funny. We've been talking a lot tonight about, you know, the Flyers are in town. This is one that you circle on the calendar saying it's a must-win game. But we're the hometown, and this we're, we're, we're the Oilers fans where you're right. The other teams are looking. This is an Oilers team that is not playing anywhere near where everyone expected them to play. Uh, they're struggling. There's, they're, they got deficiencies in their game. And yes, teams are coming in where the Oilers are in the standings. For every team except for one or two, the Oilers are a team that they've got circled as a must win. And until the Oilers start um, turning that in the other direction, teams are going to come in. And this is a game that you give a little extra oomph in. Because you know that you can win this hockey game if you do that. Tell me, is it lack of heart or is it lack of talent? I hope it's not lack of heart. We saw this team last year and we saw what they did in the playoffs. and They they played a lot on heart. Um, I think right now it's uh, maybe they're not as good as the expectations were. Maybe their confidence has been shaken because of the start they've had to the season. And maybe it the desperation and urgency that is needed hasn't um, has, has not got into the minds of the players that they have to play that way to be successful uh, because right now it hasn't shown that they are willing to do the things that they need to do to win hockey games. It's not easy winning, and I think they're finding that out right now. All right, Oilers lose it 4-2 to the Philadelphia Flyers. Matt, Derek, and Cam next in the batting order on the phone lines. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. The Edmonton Oilers not good enough again. Final score tonight at Rogers Place, Philadelphia 4, Edmonton 2. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 11.04 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Three stars tonight. Claude Giroux, first star. Darnell Nurse, second star. Ivan Provorov, good young defenseman for the Flyers. The third star. Our fourth star, selected by Rob tonight for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. <laughs> Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Seriously? 
You're putting that on me, are you? Yep. Well, well you, you like. You seem to always like doing it. Uh, yeah, I, I really, really do. Uh, I'm going to go the four star of the night. I'm going to go with Chris Russell. Five block shots. Played hard. He's my four star of the night. All right, fair enough. Thank I would. I wasn't going to argue with anybody tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Matt standing by. Matt, good to hear from you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Totally. Oh boys, Rob, you had to say the Chris Russell thing. Oh god. <laughs> I had some things that I wanted to talk about, but he played hard, but he wasn't a difference maker. I right, well, okay. Do you have a difference difference maker for the Oilers tonight? No, I honestly don't. <laughs> you have a hard job, and so does Reed, so I, I give you guys credit for that. But there's a few things I want to bring up. Um, you guys are around the team a lot. I just honestly want to know, what did this team work on since Saturday? Like, please tell me what they worked on. Uh, I saw nothing of an improvement since Saturday. Yeah, well, they did some special team stuff on Monday. They did a battle drill that McClellan pulls out every once in a while. That was, did I say Saturday on Monday? Sorry, they did some special teams. They were off Sunday. They did some special teams on uh, Monday. They did the battle drill Monday. Um, You know, and then they just, he's got, I mean, they got dozens of drills that they could pull out at at any particular time. I, I think a lot of stuff they do, and Rob will correct me if I'm wrong, but just my experience from being around the home practices, there's there's a lot done in the video room these days, mm-hmm. too, where it's like, okay, this team's going to do this, and they might do a drill related to that. Uh, sometimes, Matt, I can tell you, I'll see something specific in practice that then I'll see in a game. Like, I remember they were working on something uh, to defend the Sedins last year, and then I specifically saw that in the game. Um, sometimes, depending on how they play, you may or may not see specific stuff in a game. The one thing that came out through the media was the forecheck. That's the one thing I heard of, and completely invisible tonight. Um, yeah, we talked about that I on the pregame. Couple, yeah, I, yeah I, talked about a couple, I talked to a couple of Flyer fans tonight, and they're like, my biggest worry tonight is, we have a porous defense. Like, Provorov, okay. Ghost of Spare, like, okay. They're offensive defensemen. Other than that, like, we have <laughs> we have nothing. Well, we, we talked seems- before the game, uh, Bob and I, and he asked what the key to the game was. And to me, it was it was simple. The, the Flyers have very good offensive players. Their weakness is their defense. And if you're going to beat them, get the pucks down below the goal line and work them there. And, and the forecheck is only good if you get the pucks in the right areas to forecheck. And the Oilers didn't do that enough tonight. They didn't get pucks in offensive zone. Uh, they turned the puck over a lot through the neutral area. They tried to beat guys at the blue line. And, and when you do that, you, you find yourself on the wrong end. I mean, they just showed a... We're watching the highlights in the booth right now. They just showed the Flyers' third goal. And again, it was a, a puck that the Oilers turned over just inside the Flyers' blue line. And it ends up being a breakaway back for Philadelphia. So... Uh, to, you, you've got to find teams' weaknesses. And the Flyers' weakness is in their own zone, and the Oilers didn't do enough until the last 10 minutes. And then at that point, it was just too late. All right, 4-2, the Flyers take it, and the four-check is going to have to be our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. We've seen them do it well, and we've seen them not do much of it, and that was certainly the case tonight, so they'll have to try to bring it back Saturday in Montreal. We have Cam standing by. Cam, thanks for calling. Hey, boys, how's it going? Good. Right on. Well, this is part of the ritual, hey? Like, every night we uh, 
get a chance to talk. And it's just, it's one of those things where for me, um, I, I find the coach and the general manager are both fine. I, I don't have any problem with either of them. I think, you know, right now, I would guess that McClellan and his staff are probably one of the hardest working staffs in the league. I, I, I really get that feeling. And I mean, the guy stands up there every night. He takes bullets. He doesn't dodge anything. He's, he's good with the media. So, I mean, this might just be what we are right now. This, like, this might just be what we are. And so, a couple little things that I noticed, and I'm going to bring it back to a call I made about two weeks into the season when we lost a couple games and there was a big there was a big sort of kerfuffle and the Oilers held a boot camp and you guys said it wasn't a bag skate which is fine but you talked about it going back to fundamentals and they really worked on fundamentals I at that time thought it was an overreaction and the reason why I thought it was an overreaction is you got guys coming in for the summer and I'm going to make a point here they come in you know after a short summer they just went to war for you like get it out of their system, whatever it takes. But to me, this is where I think the peaks and valleys are coming from. I think when a staff is working this hard to pull a team out of what they perceive to be doldrums, and the team is working hard to get out of it, and we talked, you guys just mentioned how much video they do and all the rest of it. I'm, I'm seeing a team that, to me, has a split personality, and to me, that comes from there's overcorrection going on, they're coming in tonight. Like, I, I watched the backtrack. I watched the back check. Everyone's in a perfect position, but they're on their inside edges. They're gliding, stick length. Like, there's so many times tonight that guys could have actually got back and affected the puck carrier by taking that extra stride, but everybody's in the right position. So to me, I, I sense overcorrection. To me, that makes sense and why there's so many gaps and such a wild disparity. If you're bringing these guys back home and you're saturating them, and saturating them and saturating them with all these corrections. That's why the team, to me, seems a little bit confused. To me, this is what I would do. And, I, and I'm calling from a fan's perspective. I don't have a clue what's going on inside that room. I'd let these guys ride it out, take the foot off the gas for a while, give them a few days off. Let's see if they can pull themselves out of it, because right now you're not going to coach these guys out of it. They're going to have to get out of it on their own. That's my opinion on it. All right, thanks, Camp. Well, they're not going to get any days off. <laughs> I can tell you that. They'll, they'll practice tomorrow. Uh, don't know if they will skate on Friday, but they will fly to Montreal. And then they'll have a morning skate on Saturday and play the Canadians on, on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know, Rob. Is You, you played. Is, is, over, is overcorrection a, a thing? Is, is, can, can a coach get in players' faces too much like can you feel bombarded with instruction and correction you you can i don't see it here i mean the when you talk cam was talking about well they're in the right spot but they weren't skating back well they weren't in the right spot if if the plays are there if the other team penalty killing you're not in the right spot if they're making cross ice passes you're not in the right spot if the trailer is wide open I mean, if the guys are if if you're in the right spot, then that play isn't there. Um, you're you're not in the right spot when you're turning the puck over at, at the at the blue lines. Uh, you you 
coaches, if when you make mistakes, and you, all you have to do is watch the bench. When a player comes off the ice, if it is a, a big, huge, boneheaded play, you rarely see a coach walk over to that player. The player, you don't need to. The player already knows. It's the subtle things that the coaches will go talk to players. It's something that you you might see as a coach. You say, okay, this is what they're doing. We didn't talk about it. That's when you go. Uh, the the coaches don't pull video out to show Chris Russell shooting the puck in his own net, or they don't go uh, show video of of a guy who say Eric Grabe gets the puck at his own goal line and tries a cross seam pass in his own zone and gets picked off in the new, in, in the slot and they score. You don't show those videos because the players already know that. What Todd McClellan and his staff will do is they'll show the subtle things. Okay, here, Oscar, here's how you're playing the two-on-ones wrong. Here's where we need you to be. Here, uh, pa- or, or Maroon, when you're in your own zone, you're getting about, you're about 15 feet too high on the boards and that's why the defenseman is able to get his stick in and stop that pass coming up the boards to you. That's what they show in players. I liked video. I really did. Because when you're playing a game, everything is going so fast and you don't understand the mistakes that you made. I'm like, how did that guy get so open? Then you watch video. Oh, okay, now I see. I was, I was standing on the wrong side of him. Oh, I was 15 feet further than I should have been. You know, it's not always fun watching video, but it, it was. it's the best learning tool, tool you can ever have in, in any sport because you can't hide. And you can see, like, when a play happens on the ice, sometimes you ever watch after a, 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 there's a goal scored, both teams are watching the Jumbotron from the bench because they're trying to say, okay, what happened out there? Oh, that's it. So video is good. I don't think this coaching staff is overcorrecting players. And I, and I would have a feeling that if we took a poll from the fans that are calling into the show, I don't know if there would be uh, the majority saying, you know what, these guys need some more time off. Let's let them fix it themselves. Because right now, uh, the mistakes that they're making is not mistakes of, of X's and O's. Tonight's, I thought it was it was battle. Honestly, I thought it was battle, and the Philadelphia Flatters just battled a little harder than the others did tonight. 4-2 Philly is the final. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. We'll bring Jesse on the open line. Jesse, appreciate your call. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing great. Yeah, not bad. Uh, what do you guys think about... I just thought, like, I looked at the roster and I just thought, like, you don't have any rushings on the team. And, like, I was just wondering if you guys think that uh, we should probably get, like, dry straight <laughs> for a rushing or something. like. Okay. Please. All right. Well, I don't... I think he wants the best possible players regardless of nationality. Jordan Wheel had a goal tonight for the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's hear from him. Jordan had a few goods first time in a while and he even coming close, but uh, talk about the frustration this morning, how that uh, helped you get over it. Yeah, that felt good. Um, it's been a long time coming, like you said, and uh, just not for, not been for a lack of hard work and trying to and creating chances. So uh, it's nice when uh, you can get out with special players like that, and I was, was able to find a good spot, and Coots made a hell of a play to get it to me. Jordan, that looked like a pretty solid road game by your team. You didn't give much through the first two periods. Yeah, I think that was one of our better road games of the year. Um, we, we limited their shots, uh, limited their chances, and uh, when they, they got one of the best players in the world, and uh, I think we did a great job in limiting his chances throughout the game. Uh, he's going to get a couple here and there, but uh, if you can minimize them and um, keep the puck in there and as much as, as, much as we did, uh, we're going to have a good chance to win. What was the key to a superstar like that who has that much speed is 
when he had it on his stick, it seemed like you guys were able to get a stick and knock it away. Yeah, and I think it was, our, our forecheck was really good tonight in the neutral zone. We were, we were a five-man group. We were all connected, so if you beat one guy, there was a couple other guys there to, to support, and, um, and whenever he, uh, their skill guys tried to cut to the middle, I thought we had good back pressure, and, and they weren't able to make plays they wanted to. Alright, that's Jordan Wheel. Got a power play goal tonight for the Philadelphia Flyers. His third goal of the season. That tied at 1-1 at 8.53 of the second period. Philly 1-4 for four on the power play. They go on to beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-2. Man, home ice disadvantage. No, it hasn't Edmonton been Edmonton Oilers 5-9 and nine at Rogers Place this season. Sean and Mike up next. You're also going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl, who scored that Oilers shorty. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast now, Center. from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. No Japanese Village goal-like tonight. The Oilers only get two, losing to the Philadelphia Flyers 4-2. When they do score five or more, like they did in Calgary on Saturday, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, and then you can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. They have three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Taking your call, 780-496-0063. We'll hear from Leon Dreisaitl in a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones and talk to Sean. Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Doing okay. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on your guys' talk about the forecheck for half a second and then touch on the penalty kill. The the part that bothered me about the forecheck is that I see guys, they're skating in hard to pressure the puck, and the second the defenseman passes the puck, they don't finish a check. They're just turning away, going up ice, and it just seems kind of like a wasted play a little bit. What do you guys think? Yeah, you're right. I, I'm not going to disagree. I think you're absolutely right on it. Yeah, Sean, I'm going to ask you something else in general. I don't know how old you are or how long you've been watching hockey, but yeah. I, I'm just starting to see a sport where, with not a lot of body checking. At least, like, it's physical in terms of puck battles and, and puck possession battles, but you, I just feel like you're seeing a lot less good fundamental body checking than you used to see, too. Yeah, certainly. I think the refs have a little bit to do with it, too, and how the ref expects them to to call these kinds of things like the maroon hit today i didn't feel like that was a penalty but that's the way it goes yeah that that was a penalty but it, uh, but it, i will it was s- a clean hit it just was late it was, a bit late. But it was you, late yeah you used to you used to get away with it though i think rob even if it was a little late well you used to get away with slashing a guy across the head too well, I mean, <laughs> okay it but, was a little rougher back, back but, but, then. But, but i think that and this is probably a bigger discussion sean we can have another day and i know you want it but but i mean with headshots so guys don't want to get suspended. They don't want to get penalties, and, and the league doesn't sure. want concussed players. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just my comment about the penalty kill, a little bit frustrated with it lately. They're they're playing like a tight box or even like kind of a rotating diamond, but like a lot of cross-seam passes are getting through, and then when a, when a point guy takes a shot, nobody's blocking the shot. So what's the point of playing passive and tight like that? And not really seeing any adjustments getting made. Well, in all honesty, I, I think they've tried to become more aggressive. Yeah. The, 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 the problem that happens at times, when you become aggressive, if somebody misses a, a read or an assignment, then you, now you're chasing. And if to beat, to beat aggressive penalty killing, you've got to have very good passing, quick passing, and on the stick. And on the goal tonight, it's what Philadelphia did. 
They just yeah. they they three great passes, but the Oilers got too much separation between their two D men and their two high forwards, and all of a sudden there's a seam right through there, and you could see Cassian reaching back to try and stop the pass across. And if you're reaching back, that means you're up too high. And Philadelphia, when you give it skilled players time and space to make a play, they're going to make you pay. And Philadelphia Flyers, that was absolute perfection. The passing play that created their goal, and just the Oilers just allowed that pass through the, the the seam again, and that's the one that's been killing them all season long. Yeah, we've seen it all year for sure. Sean, you're going to finish the play, looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Off the draw, Nugent Hopkins pours across the line. Wrist shot off the bar from Darnell Nurse. He had Brian Elliott beaten cleanly. Darnell Nurse, big scoring chance, 11 seconds into the third. Could have tied it 2-2. Instead, it hit the crossbar. Sean, our question is about Darnell Nurse. He played in the Ontario Hockey League. Did he play for Sault Ste. Marie or for Windsor? Sault Ste. Marie. Absolutely. You win, finish the play tonight. Hang on the line with Kellen Kennedy. Mike and Rocket are up next on the phones. Leon Dreisaitl had a shorthanded goal tonight. Here he is. Own. Uh, just the execution really wasn't there. Uh, we got to be sharper. This is not a problem your team had often last year. Like, not being able to put back-to-back quality games together. Where is this coming from in your estimation? I, I guess as a team, what we're, we haven't been uh, you know, hard enough in here uh, on the details, ready to go right from the start. Uh, that's, that's not on coaches. That's, that's on leadership group in here. Well, we got to have the guys ready to go. Uh, we knew the importance of this game. We stressed it. Uh, you know, and then we got out of the first period maybe lucky to be tied just with the way it went. Uh, it was still there for us, but uh, the start certainly uh, wasn't what it was in Calgary. Were you, were you like, so worried about giving up something in your own end that you sort of pulled it? I, I don't think that's... I don't, I don't think that's it at all. Uh, you know, I said earlier, just the execution... Uh, you know, we got to be awake. We got to be ready to go. We got to start on time. Uh, you know, and then and little plays just weren't there. And when, when structurally you're not making plays, you you look slow, and it leads to turnovers and leads to their momentum. Uh, so we just we just got to be got to be better. Thanks. Read that's Mark Letestu. All right, clearly that was Mark Letestu, not Leon Drysaddle. They are easy to confuse. One's from Elk Point, one's from Germany. One was drafted <laughs> third overall, one wasn't drafted. One's in his 20s, one's in his 30s. You can get them confused all the time. One's over six feet, one's under. One's a left shot, one's a right shot. They're virtually identical. Like, Other course, than that. Of course I'm going to get them mixed up from time to time. <laughs> it's like looking at Daniel and Henrique sometimes. This, this yeah, it really, it's the Oilers' version of the, of the Twins. In all seriousness, he used a phrase, start on time. Mike Babcock used that last week, and I know even the night before the game, I interviewed Sportsnet's Chris Johnson on, uh, on Inside Sports, and he said that's a phrase... You know, we know McClellan has some go-to phrases, and that's uh, one of Babcock's is, is start on time. And, I mean, the Oilers, did, the Oilers didn't start on time because, as we talked about, uh, they were a little fortunate, badly outshot in the first period, and especially in the last 10 minutes, badly, out, badly outplayed. They didn't start on time. I mean, it's not an excuse, but when you're killing as much as the Oilers do in the first period, you get out of the flow of the game, and there's a number of players that don't kill. And they get, they get cold on the bench. They they just they don't seem in it. And all of a sudden, when they get their shifts, their legs are a little stiff. Uh, the adrenaline's not going through them, and and you just lose so much. So as much as the Oilers 
did a good job at killing penalties early. The fact that they took penalties really set the Oilers back. They don't get into the, the swing of the way they want to play a game. They want to roll four lines, get everyone going. But if you're sitting for, and I've been there, if you sit for a long time on a bench, it's hard to jump out there and be where you need to be. And the Oilers, because of silly penalties or, or just taking penalties early in a hockey game, it affected uh, their offense because guys didn't get to get rolling and it took them a long time to get in this game and it took too long because the Philadelphia Flyers built up a lead that they weren't able to come back from. And, and that's a good point, Robin. I really thought, I, I mean, look, the, the first period as a whole wasn't good for the Oilers, but I really thought starting with the second penalty they took to Dreisaitl with about eight minutes left, and then they, they did kill it off, but then the last six, I mean, the first, I almost, they, they, they were shorthanded early, but I almost look at the first ten minutes of the game, I don't know if Philly was that great either. It was because the shots were like 6-3 or something for a long time, but then, I mean, the Oilers didn't have the puck after that Dreisaitl penalty. Yeah, and when you're a, a team like Philadelphia, the longer you're in a hockey game, the more belief you have. Philadelphia Flyers have been bad. Uh, I mean, they're, they're chanting fire Hackstall, their coach, in Philadelphia. So this has been a bad team for the last month. They get a win in Calgary that they shouldn't have gotten. The Calgary Flames outplayed them, outshot them badly. So there's not a lot of belief on their on their bench that they can win hockey. So the longer that they stay in a game, they go, oh, we, can, we made it through the first period, and we're still tied. We, you know, we actually don't have to win three periods. Now. We only have to win two. And you can win a hockey game. And that's what I'm with the Oilers. You can knock out teams in the first period. The Oilers come out and have a great start to the game. And they get up 2 nothing. The Flyers on the bench are like, oh, my God, here we go again. It's going to be, I hope it's not a 7 nothing game. Yeah. They got Drysaddle. They got McDavid. This could get ugly. And all of a sudden, they're playing nervous. But the Oilers never made the Flyers nervous at all tonight. Because the Oilers did not come out with a good start. They came out flat. Philadelphia stayed in the game. Then Philadelphia is like, you know what? This could be our night, and they get an energy boost because of the way the Oilers started the game. 4-2, the Flyers take it. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Mike has called in tonight. Hey, Mike. Hey, Reid. Hello. Pretty pretty pedestrian game tonight. Uh, yeah, I was sitting about 20 rows up, and, uh, yeah, the only thing that was good about it was my cold beer. Well, I'm glad the beer was good, but pedestrian's yeah. another good word to describe it. Absolutely. Yeah, the only people active in that first period were the linesmen waving people out of the circle. That <laughs> <laughs> was pretty bad. Yeah, it's happening and, a lot. Yeah, and I don't know. There's a couple of questionable calls. To, uh, I want to make excuses, but uh, yeah, behind the eight ball early in the first and never really got it going. I thought the only guy really that... Uh, looked good to me was Darnell on the back end but yeah I don't know that, that was like a quiet road game you'd, you'd expect more for a game at home when they're where they are in the standing totally agree with that which, which calls did you have questions about tonight uh, the holding one on Benning uh, he kind of pushed him in the back and he got a holding call yeah you know I agree I agree with you on that one that uh, one interference call in, the, in amongst the scrum uh on dry cycle there that uh, oh both yeah both first field yeah yeah the, the dry cycle interference one uh, that's a, that's a good I'm glad you brought that up Mike bigger picture officiating and we don't mind talking about it a, a little bit and not why the Oilers lost tonight but on faceoffs Mike and, and, and Rob 
that happens quite a bit. And and uh, the Oilers, I think in Dallas, the Oilers benefited from a similar call yep. where you're kind of like, the guy's just trying to get to where he's going. The, the reason I didn't like that one uh, on Dreisaitl, dry, I mean, Dreisaitl was doing it on purpose. I mean, all players were told to block the guy. Accidentally on purpose. Accidentally. Yeah. So he was doing it on <laughs> purpose. But what Dreisaitl also was doing, he was going to a position. So there's set plays off face-offs. And if you watch where he goes, he actually goes back, and the defenseman pulls it to the middle. And if the, someone goes to the defenseman, he now kicks it out to dry settle on the high boards. So dry settle actually skated to the position he wanted to go. So it's two players trying to go to two different spots. And they crisscross. Dry settle, because of the crisscross, he forces the guy to come a little wider. The defenseman has a, uh, an area, to, a lane to the net. So to me, I didn't like that because it wasn't where Dreisaitl just stayed in front of him the whole way, didn't allow him to come out. Dreisaitl went in front of him to go to his spot. So to me, that's fair for Dreisaitl to do that, and I thought that was a bad call. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. I guess I guess the refs thinking, did the Oilers gain an advantage they from did. that? So I, guess, I suppose that's why they but, call it. But again, that's like the, the other calls we were talking about. Every single face-off, the guys are interfering to a bit. Because right. if, if they didn't, every sing, there would never be a shot from the point on a face-off because the guy would have straight right. access to the fence. So you're always interfering. There's some that are blatant. There's some where you use your stick. This is dry sidle skating to a spot in front of someone. So that to me, that was I, I didn't like the call. I yeah. thought it, I thought both calls were, were iffy calls. Yeah, you, you hope those... And I, I think it was the game at Dallas where the Oilers got a power play on a similar There was call. one you and I looked and at. And we showed the replay uh, and we were just like, yeah. isn't the guy... But sometimes they have. But, but no, good question there by, for Mike, for sure. We'll get to Rocket in a second. I do believe now we have Leon Dreisaitl in the Oilers' room. Yeah, uh, just talking about that opening 40 minutes. Maybe not the, not the best hockey for you guys. And how, how does that happen? Um, yeah, good question. I don't know. Um, uh, we can't seem to fight uh, two, two, or start two good, good games in a row. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of setting us back every game. Um, you know, we always... Uh, always have to come back in games and um, you know it takes takes a lot of energy to do that um, you know I thought in the third we, we had a few looks um, couldn't couldn't capitalize and um, you know credit to them they played a good game this wasn't a problem for your team last year you guys were able to, your efforts were fairly consistent what's what's happening on the bench what sorts of things do you guys say to each other I mean it must be frustrating to well, it's know not, that it's happening it's not the effort well, I think with this group it's never the effort um, we know we know we're a hard-working group in here, and um, you know sometimes we're just individually and, and as a team not not sharp enough, and um, you know that starts with uh, with the leaders. That that starts with us, and um, you know it goes all the way through the lineup. Your goal tonight came shorthanded, but five on five, did it seem like you guys were you know sort of lacking, uh, not generating enough chances tonight? <laughs> They're a good team over there. Um, you know you're not going to get anything for free uh, in this league, so. Uh, some nights you, you're just not going to create something every shift. Read that, Leon Dreisaitl. All right, thanks, Brandon. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. The other, the, the, I mean, yes, the other team is trying trying to stop you. I just don't know if two good scoring chances in the first 50 minutes is. <laughs> well, you, you got to figure it out. And it, it, it was the Philadelphia Flyers. It, it wasn't the Winnipeg Jets or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the LA Kings teams that have had you know, very strong starts to the season. This is a Philadelphia team that, uh, while they do have some very good players, you know, Giroux, Voracek, um, those guys are superstars, but their back end is weak, and the Oilers didn't force them enough. 
They didn't create opportunities, you know, down deep in the zone. They didn't get pucks in deep. And that that's the part that, that hurts is that the Flyers have deficiencies in their game, glaring ones. And that's why they are where they are in the standings. And the Oilers did not take advantage of any of those deficiencies in tonight's game until it was too late. Oilers now 11-15-2 on the season in the Western Conference ahead of only Arizona. And the Oilers uh, remain six points behind San Jose, who right now holds down the second and final wild card position. We have Rocket on the phone line. Hey, Rocket, good to hear from you. <laughs> When's the draft? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, gap control, Rob. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like I'm seeing us give up the blue line a lot more and not just our team but I watch a lot of other games and and I see the blue line being give up given up a lot more and I noticed it on the the Griba goal when it went between his legs and Brassois pads um, that was that was one incident but I'm wondering if it relates at all to to refereeing and not being able to like finish your checks late so you end up giving up the blue line no I think I think a lot of it is fear of speed. I think in a perfect world, you always and you're always taught to you want to stand him up just before the blue line, just exactly. before because then he then he has to yeah. go east, left, or right, and that'll like put someone offside. Force a dump in or give up the blue line, which is better. Pardon me. Force a dump in. Yep. or Give up the blue line, which is better. Uh, forcing a dump in is better. Yeah, I agree. It is, but the problem is. There's a fear if if a guy's coming full speed. Think about Connor McDavid coming on down down on someone. They yeah, are they are backing up right into the crease if they have to because he's got speed. Now obviously he's world class and it's different. But yeah. the the Oilers there's there's two things that a D man will back off more than he should. One is if someone very fast is coming down on him, and two if he's looking up ice and he doesn't feel that they are even numbers. If he feels it could be a three-on-two or something, then there's that fear, and they back up a little bit more. So that's the biggest thing. The one, the Griba one, where it went through his legs. I mean, to me that, and I said to to Reed, that was an, that was a too many men penalty. The yeah, Weiss I, jumped I, I on the ice. Yeah, he jumped on the period. ice 15 yeah. feet too early yeah. and got a jump. So yeah. Griba had no chance. That guy was coming off the bench on that one. Yeah. So I, I do agree. And there was a game a couple games ago against the Leafs, and I, what's the kid's name that scored the goal? Moore. He came in, and Griba was practically at the hash marks when Moore was at the blue line. And I'm not, and I, I never did get to see an overview of why he was so far back. But yes, in in a perfect world, coaches want you to, as a defenseman, to stand your ground at the blue line, force them to put the puck in deep, because most teams nowadays have good goaltenders that can get out of the net and move the puck. And and there are a lot of goals that are scored because the defensemen do make that mistake. I, I also we didn't talk about this part of that that goal. That play started. Kara, remember he flipped that aerial pass back to OV2 at the point, and it went by OV2. So I think Griba just got he's. I think he was worried about a two or a three on one, well, and, and he got back because OV2 was caught flat footed at the blue line because he missed. He couldn't knock down the pass, and then I think Griba thought I might be on an island here, so I got to get all the way back. And then the Flyers did the change. Well, and Griba is not fleet of foot, and, right. and and I and I played, and I wasn't either. So sometimes you cheat right. a little more 
because you know there's that fear. I'm not going to get into a foot race with this guy because I'm going to lose that foot race. So I'm going to get a head start on it. Now, then it turned out you're too deep in it, and then you screen your goalie. And, I mean, a lot of bad things happened on that play, but, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, Rocket. You, you can't give up the blue line if you don't have to. And there's and I've seen other games where it would be one on three, and the Oilers have moved back and allowed a guy to come in. So it is tough. But having played defense at times, there guys coming down it was pretty you're, you're looking for that perfect spot to make your stand and sometimes you don't feel comfortable doing it and you say you know what I'll just be safe and I'll keep staying between him and the goalie and we'll let someone else worry about it that's a good question though by Rocket and, and I mean Peter Shirelli gave us that headline quote last week death by a thousand cuts and that has been something that's reared its head against the Oilers this season where they've given up goals where they've sagged too far back and even McClellan mentioned it when I know the game was a while ago now but when they lost to Pittsburgh and yes it was a power play but Malkin was able to get a little pass at the blue line and then he wasn't challenged yep uh, I mean, I know you're shorthanded, but you still got to try to veer him off or whatever, and he just walked yeah, in and scored. And as an offensive player, you love when they back off a little bit. It gives you, once you, because what happens, if you stop a guy five minute, five feet before the blue line, if that's where you make your stand, that player's only got five feet to make a play. Mm-hmm. As soon as you gain the blue line, now you've got, what is it, what's in zone? Like is it 80 feet, feet, feet 60, yeah. whatever it is. All of a sudden, you just exploded your zone. So now you got so much more room to make your play. Uh, now, it's not, this isn't just an oiler problem. You watch any game, any night, there's going to be a number of times where defensemen give up the blue line, and their coaches at when they come back to the bench say, all right, you got to stand up there. The biggest thing is fear of getting beat. It was Dale Weiss that got that goal down to the Flyers dressing room. Let's hear from him. Definitely feels good. Uh, definitely the way we play too. It's another another pretty complete effort from our team. Um, getting contributions from everyone. That's going to be huge if we're going to keep stringing some wins together. Let's talk about your your goal. Uh, nice play, hardworking play by G. Pretty good play by G there. Uh, you know he pulls up. Uh, I'm coming off the change there, and uh, you know just just kind of use the D man as a screen and, and put it on net. I think you put it through his legs and in the five hole. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. Uh, the demon didn't really get a stick on me, so you know I'm a pretty good shooting shooting lane there, and uh, just try to put it on net. Good what, things happen. What was the emphasis, you know, coming off that win in the game in Calgary to come in here and, and obviously you wanted to, to build some sort of momentum off that previous win? Yeah, um, you know what? Just I, I really liked the way we played the last two games. Um, you know, we made some adjustments to our neutral zone, and we're really clogging teams up. So, uh, you know, they're not coming in with as much speed, and we're getting out of the zone a little cleaner. Giving up a shorthanded goal, that can be a real letdown, but you guys didn't. Yeah, we're pretty resilient. Uh, you know, losing 10 in a row, you get pretty resilient for some tough times. So, uh, you know, pretty complete effort by, by our team. We didn't get rattled by that, and a uh, good response. Yeah, so the Flyers sweep Alberta, just as the Toronto Maple Leafs did last week. Uh, the Oilers have... I was checking earlier. I don't think they have the. I think they have the third worst home record yep, in the NHL. It was on, yeah, yeah, they're, they're ahead night. of Buffalo and Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think well, Calgary seven and eight. So yeah, the uh, Alberta trip has uh, not been as not scary. been that intimidating <laughs> for teams uh, coming through. The Oilers now just five and nine on home ice. So maybe it's good they're going on the road, though they're going to Montreal, who are playing better with their uh, exceptional goaltender looking very exceptional. Once again, having said that, uh, the Oilers six six and two on the road isn't spectacular, but they have been better away from home. Uh, they have, and I, I, I always liked and found that teams 
seem to rebound when you're struggling going to a Montreal or going to a Toronto. Easy games to get up for. Anyone that is from out east, any Ontario player, any any French player, or anyone that is a fan of the game. Or you're, maybe just got acquired from Montreal <laughs> off waivers. Might there be you go. fired up for the game. Might be fired up. Um, so those games are easy to get up for. The 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 things that we talked about that we missed tonight in the game, the emotion, the, the desperation, the urgency, you seem to have a little bit more of those when you're playing in, in, in Montreal or Toronto because any kid growing up, those were two of the thing two of the cities that you, you actually knew. When I go when I play in Montreal, when I play in Toronto, I've made it into the National Hockey League. So I expect the effort to be better. And it's going to have to be a lot better because the Philadelphia Flyers are a, a, a basement-dwelling team. Montreal and Toronto are both good hockey clubs that are playing pretty good hockey right now. The Oilers have to be on their game if they want to stay in these games. Oilers at Montreal Saturday, Oilers at Toronto Sunday, both on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 face-off shows. The games will start at 5. Rob, I'll see you then. Sounds good. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at the 6.30, Chad offices today. Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. You can get more on 6.30Ched.com. The final Philadelphia 4, Edmonton 2. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.